For those of you that, uh, that Sam's visit is, he's new to you, and if you're visiting, we're glad to have you here this morning. I'll be back in the book of John next Sunday, but we have uh, a special guest who's a good friend of mine. You know, Sam, uh, Sam has an amazing testimony, and, and God has you know, uh, taken a guy who was born in the Jewish communities of, was it Brooklyn or Queens, okay, so the Jewish communities there in Queens, and then uh, he fought in the Vietnam War, and after the Vietnam War was in California, and uh, the Lord used some Gentiles preaching Jesus uh, in the Jesus movement there in California to bring him to saving faith, and then, uh, I don't know how many years, 40-some or close to 50? Years in ministry now. 50 years in ministry now, and God has, yeah. I don't want to make you feel too old. I'm 53, just saying. Just, uh, but, um, but all these years, uh, the Lord has given him uh, a clear calling to return to the house of Israel and, and uh, Jewish communities all over the world. Uh, but he also speaks regularly uh, in churches all across the country that are predominantly Gentile churches, and uh, I look at him as a Paul and a, and a Moses in my life, and my name's Timothy, but, but you know, I don't have a Jewish um, mother. I have uh, 1% Jewish, according to my mom's Ancestry.com stuff, so, so uh, like 1%, but he's been a, he's been a real uh, Paul in my life, and, and God's used him many ways to speak to this church, and so we're just uh, really glad to have Sam come and share with us this morning. Let's hear that one more time. I am so ready for the upper taker. <laughs> you know, come quickly, Lord Jesus. So it's wonderful. That is actually uh, a shofar blast. Uh, and last week, uh, we had a lot of outreaches going on all over the world uh, regarding uh, what is called, commonly called Rosh Hashanah, Jewish New Year. Uh, biblically, it's the Feast of Trumpets. Uh, and so we have the shofar blasting all over the place uh, last week, and many people came to faith uh, in the Lord as the good news gets uh, presented, trumpeted, etc. Uh, and so we're going to be learning a little bit more about that. I want to thank this congregation. If you're a visitor here, uh, this is a wonderful congregation. Uh, and I can only, I can only uh, commend it to you as for, for your prayerful consideration as a home congregation. Uh, they love the Lord, uh, they believe God's word, uh, they only want Jesus to be exalted, uh, they pray fervently for lost people, uh, they've been praying uh, for our mission, our ministry to Jewish people for a long time, and other Jewish ministries too. Uh, it's really a wonderful group of, of people here. Uh, so uh, I'm, I'm really delighted to be back, really am. I also want to uh, thank you for your prayers, for the congregation that's been praying for us. Uh, the Lord has been doing such amazing things. We're just so blessed in the Lord. Before we get into the Word, I want to give God some praise here. Uh, we have found uh, so many uh, more congregations getting planted. We have had about five conferences. We just had a boot camp for brand new planters, sending out uh, six more teams for congregation planting uh, around this country and the world, as a matter of fact. Appreciate your prayers for those new planters as they're moving forward in faith, just believing God. Uh, you know, a planter is either crazy or a person of faith. Now, it's possible to be both. <laughs> because you actually have to see what's not there. You have to see that God wants a congregation where there is none, you know? And so you're either crazy and seeing things, or you're called to ministry. I'll take applications after the service. Uh, and so we have new planters going out. Uh, we've seen so much, the Lord doing so many things, so many people coming to faith. 
Uh, it's been glorious. It's wonderful being in Israel every week. You say, well, that must be expensive. No, by Zoom. I'm, I'm training people in Israel. But I'm in Israel every single week, training people, encouraging. It's really a great, the Lord's been doing great and mighty things. I'm really thankful. Uh, and so um, please remember in prayer, uh, October 10th and 11th, we're having a marriage conference. Uh, we do that uh, fairly regularly around the world. Uh, and the reason is this. We're planters. We want to see more uh, Jesus-loving messianic congregations planted all over the world. Uh, that being said, the truth of the matter is that regardless of having strong leadership, a congregation can be no stronger spiritually than the families that make it up. It's strong spiritual families that actually make for a strong spiritual congregation. And so October 10th and 11th, we'll be having a marriage conference. Uh, if you're, uh, please be, remember that in prayer uh, for the purposes I just mentioned, to strengthen the congregations that we're planting. But also others, we invite all kinds of people who want to, uh, you know, and they may need like a, and how many people here go for an annual physical? Raise your hand. Okay. Uh, I don't see one young person raising their hand, you know. Uh, but maybe that's wisdom. But point is, that's just like, people take our marriage conference like an annual physical to make sure everything is rolling good and growing together. So uh, keep it in prayer, if you would. Then November, another leadership conference. Uh, we're training leaders, planting new congregations. Uh, please remember that in prayer, as well as the other work that's going on. Uh, and uh, you're probably sitting on an envelope. It won't hatch, uh, but if you, will, if you will fill it out, it, it, looks, it looks something like this. If you fill this out and place it, where are they going to place it? Uh, Put it on the table somewhere, maybe on our table out there. Is that okay? Yeah, uh, Lynn, where are you, Lynn? Wherefore, there you are. Uh, would you make sure there's a plate or something on the table they can put this in there? If you want to get our newsletter, uh, either snail mail or email or however you want to receive it, we're happy to send you so you can learn more of what God's doing amongst Jewish people here and around the world and more background information about our faith so we can grow more. Uh, just fill it out and place it there. Uh, we are uh, a totally faith mission. Uh, we're, we're totally a faith mission. Uh, you get our newsletter, you realize we aren't even asking for money because we trust in God to move on hearts. And so even though it's an envelope, uh, we're not asking you to, please do not give anything to our mission that would take away from your proper giving to your home congregation. You break my heart if you do that. Uh, we believe in the ministry of the local congregation. I believe in the ministry of this congregation, certainly. And so don't do that. Only as the Lord would abundantly bless you above your normal giving uh, to your home congregation, we'll be thankful for your prayerful consideration. But please remember us in your prayers. Uh, let me mention uh, the best books on our literature table are written by my wife. Uh, you know, she's the smart one in our family. It's 50-50 in every family, fellas. How many other men married above their pay grade? Raise your hand. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and now, men, I want you to pray for those men who didn't raise their hand. Uh, so her books are, are used in women's ministries all over the world. On the genealogy in Jesus, I mentioned this last year. She's working on her next book. Please remember her in prayer for that. But the genealogy of Jesus and how the grace of God brought them in, just like the grace of God brings us in to the line of Messiah. Uh, and so uh, over the last year, I mentioned to you uh, the new book back then, Israel Factor, you know, that you need to factor Israel into what we believe to get a full picture of what God's plan is, because God has not forsaken a people whom he foreknew. And if he hasn't, then we shouldn't. And even though many have factored Israel out, God never did. Uh, and so this will be exciting reading for you. 
Um, the newest books uh, I, I wrote this year, uh, if you want to know how to live, Paul says in Galatians chapter 1, verse 4, Paul calls this an evil age, an evil world. It has some pretty nice people in it, but it's an evil age, an evil world. That's exactly how Jesus characterizes it. From Matthew 13, he gives uh, eight parables uh, that deal with how, how to uh, navigate your way uh, in an evil world. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, he gives parables about the kingdom. But understand, listen carefully. When the king is rejected, the kingdom is a mystery. And so the mystery parables of the kingdom show us how Jesus taught us to navigate our way through this world uh, to the glory of his name, of course. Uh, another book I wrote this year, Messiah in the End Times. I'll be uh, speaking to that uh, to some degree, some detail uh, this morning. Uh, Messiah in the End Times has in, having to do with how God, what God's plan is uh, in such a way. Uh, one thing that encouraged me to write this book, uh, the Spirit of God kind of moved on my spirit accordingly because there was so much fear, fear-mongering going on. And I felt that the people of God should be confident, not fearful. Uh, you know, the righteous are bold as lions. And so people need to be encouraged uh, that they understand the confidence they should have in the Messiah and who he is and what he's done for us. And so this book came out of that regarding uh, everything from here forward. And what I'll be speaking about uh, on point uh, is found in the book Messiah in the Feast of Israel, I'll be mentioning a bit more about that as we go through the matter. I'd like to have up on the screen so people can read along with me some scripture. Uh, if you could put the Leviticus scripture up. Can you all, can you all see that? It looks like an eye chart. <laughs> can, you all, can you see that? I can't see that. I mean, I love the word of God and I want to see it. But I can, you know. Well, if, for those who can see it, I'd like you to read with me this portion of Scripture from Leviticus chapter 23, verse 23 to 25. Here we go, kids. Okay. And in unison, out loud. Okay, you got that? You say, well, hold a second. No one told me I had to do any work when I came here. That's why we didn't tell you. Uh, so read with me, if you can, uh, the scripture on the screen. Here we go. Again, the Lord spoke to out loud. You people, I, I'm expecting a lot from the front row. I'm just saying. You know, you got guys got to step up for the back row, people. Move your lips just so you feel like you're fitting in, okay? So here we go. Again, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel. In the seventh month, on the first of the month, you shall have a rest, a reminder of Let's understand just, I'm not ready, I'm not prayed yet, so I'm not ready. Just want you to know uh, that it is characterized by a blowing of trumpets. It's, uh, it's characterized by a blowing of trumpets. Uh, let's read, if we can, from uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15. We'll leave that up on the screen. Okay. <laughs> uh, I know I walk by faith, not sight, but I think I'll be reading by faith, not sight as well. Let's, if we can, let's read this in unison and out loud. Here we go. I can hardly wait. 
Not to hardly wait. Our God and Father, we are just thrilled with the truth of your promises uh, that you long for our fellowship, not only spiritually here, but to be with you in heaven forever. We're thankful for your great love for us that brought our Messiah to die in our place. How thankful we are that God came in the flesh, the Son of God came and died so we might live. Uh, add your blessing to our considerations to the end that one name is exalted, lifted up, and magnified that the name of Jesus, Yeshua HaMashiach, is glorified, exalted, lifted up, magnified, lauded above all other names. For in that name we give thanks now and forever. Amen. 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 And so as we're going to be considering uh, some of that verse, we'll leave that up there. I'll be giving uh, some teaching from that verse here. I want to just mention that in my travels, and I, I speak in churches uh, just about every Sunday when I'm not holding conferences and training leaders, I'm speaking in churches and things. So I have a lot of familiarity about Sunday ministry. Uh, the other six days I'm talking to my side of the family about Jesus, uh, but Sundays accordingly. And most churches are just unfamiliar with some of the matters that the apostles took for granted. Uh, the apostles took for granted uh, a biblical calendar, the church calendar, uh, that basically covered uh, the festivals of Israel. Uh, you say, like, like, what? What are you talking about here? Well, uh, honestly, most churches are unaware. This is a church that is much more aware, quite frankly, than others. And you have a pastor who just so loves the word and teaches it straightforwardly. But for the most part, uh, most Christians are just unaware of the biblical calendar and its relevance, not just revelation, but its relevance to our lives as believers. And so when we study through the scriptures, just to give a brief overview, if I might, uh, and it's, as I've mentioned before, it is much more, much more fully developed uh, in my book, Messiah in the Feast of Israel. They're all about him, of course. And so as we cover off, we want to understand the issue of the Shabbat uh, that God had as foundational. I say that because Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. And so when we understand that as foundational. He is our foundation. And so the Sabbath is a reminder of what we lost in the Garden of Eden. When sin entered the human equation, uh, our relationship with God was broken by sin. That's what sin does. Whether it be in a family or whether it be between God and humanity, sin breaks relationships. And so when that happened, we lost the very rest that we have. When you read through uh, Genesis, uh, in Genesis chapter 2, you see that when he established the Sabbath, all the other days, if you notice, when you study through it, all the other days were evening and morning, evening and morning, evening and morning. With the Sabbath, there was evening, but there was no end. It was supposed to be a continual Sabbath of rest, which was broken by sin. And so God is looking to restore that relationship between the lost humanity and himself so we can enjoy that rest. If you remember in the book of Hebrews, how it talks about that rest that we have in Messiah Jesus. Because, you know, Jesus said, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Come unto me, all who labor the heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. rest. And so if your soul is aching, yearning for that rest, that peace of mind, and all that comes uh, in a relationship with God, and only in a relationship with God. Jesus is still saying, come unto me, come to him, trust in him, depend on him, because he is the Lord of the Sabbath. And so as a foundation, things get built upon Jesus, as you know. He is, there's only one foundation, and that is Messiah, Christ our Lord. Uh, then built upon that are the festivals, all of which speak, each speak about how that rest in the plan of God is acquired. And so the festivals break down into three seasons. You know, if it was up to me, 
I like everything very even. I would have said, no, we're going to break those vessels down differently. I want every other month to have one. But God has his own way of doing everything. And I found over the 50 years, he doesn't take my advice on anything, <laughs> just to say. Uh, but I'm a humble man, so it doesn't bother me nearly as much as it once did. And so in the, in the spring, we actually have uh, three festivals in one week. Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits. The first fruits of Passover. You say, why did Jesus get raised on that day? Uh, why was he? He died on Passover, buried on unleavened bread, and then why was he raised the day after unleavened bread? That's because that's first fruits. When the barley harvest first fruits are offered up to God, uh, in uh, the, that morning service, that's when Jesus being raised up from the dead, the first fruits, Paul says, 1 Corinthians 15, 20, first fruits from the dead. Uh, hallelujah, he's the first fruits and not the last fruits. Glory to God. Uh, we'll follow up on that matter. But in any case, you have the death, burial, and resurrection uh, foreshadowed in those festivals. You say, well, this is kind of Strange things to be bringing up. This is what the New Testament teaches. That's why Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Uh, that, that, that's because he's the Passover Lamb. It all foreshadowed. It was intended by God to foreshadow. Uh, li listen, keep in mind that in eternity past, if you read Ephesians chapter 1, in eternity past, God had the whole deal figured out. And how we praise God for the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. In the eternity past, it was all kind of the deal. With, you know, the fix was in. And then in history, we have a rollout with the uh, Passover of the Jewish people being delivered from bondage in Egypt. All of that was the historical rollout in order to foreshadow and prefigure uh, the fulfillment of all things in Jesus the Messiah himself. And so uh, all of uh, this history is merely a rollout picturing something greater uh, than we can imagine. But in any case, we have three festivals, uh, you know, uh, death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, then on the day, uh, 50 days later, the word 50 days in Greek is Pentecost, 50 days after his resurrection, up from the grave, he rose, and then he sent forth the Holy Spirit. Glory to his name. Hallelujah. Uh, why he do that? Because it was Pentecost. <laughs> yeah, and so when the, when the New Testament writers, when Luke, when he was recording what took place in Acts chapter 2, he, he basically records it as a second Mount Sinai experience. What? When God came down on Mount Sinai, there was the thunder, the noise, and fire. And so he's picturing for us a fulfillment of all that that was prefiguring and anticipating. You, you say, really? I never lie on Sundays. <laughs> I, I, I try not to lie any day, by the way. But in any case, it was on Pentecost, on the day of Pentecost, uh, in order that everyone would keep the proper things in proper context of God's redemptive program. Salvation during the Passover feast, sanctification with a setting apart by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit's, what's the Holy Spirit's first name? Holy and so we are therefore set apart. As you get older, you'll laugh more at my jokes. <laughs> Just saying. It's okay. It's okay. It's all right. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm like for mature audiences only. <laughs> okay. But at any rate, we want to understand uh, that we have here the salvation and the sanctification that comes through the Holy Spirit. When you come to faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is given to you and makes you a saint, a holy one, set apart unto God. Hallelujah. And then we have the long summer of service, which we're in, 
until the fall festivals. The fall festivals are three. In the seventh month, there are three festivals. You say, is seven important? Only to God. <laughs> the word seven in Hebrew, Shavuot, is from the same word in Hebrew to make an oath, to swear, to make an oath. God's promise of redemption is fulfilled. The seventh month pictures that. And so in the seventh month, there are three festivals. The Feast of Trumpets, which we read briefly. Day of Atonement, which uh, coming this Tuesday night, please pray for the Jewish communities as it's a time when they'll be yielding their hearts uh, uh, in fasting or whatever else. Good time to pray that revival takes place amongst them. Uh, would you mind if you had to have a third service because a whole lot of my family got saved? Would that be a problem for you guys? Yeah, you, you'll figure out how to make it work, right? Uh, but in any case, please pray for Tuesday night, uh, Wednesday morning services. We're doing a lot of outreaches everywhere. Uh, you say, well, what do you do? We proclaim the blood. Uh, there can't be a day of atonement without blood atonement. And so we preach in the blood. You can't have atonement without blood atonement. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Uh, but so we have here uh, the Feast of Trumpets, Day of Atonement, and then finally, uh, which will be about 10 days from now, or something like that, the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles, which says in Zechariah 14, 16, that all the nations will come to Jerusalem every year. Can you imagine celebrating these things every year? Come on. I mean, you know, why? Well, because of what they mean, of what they, what they are meant in the Bible to mean, of how Jesus is the Lord God. Uh, he is the ruler, and therefore all the nations honor him. Uh, he sits on his glorious throne accordingly. And so we want to understand. And so the three fall festivals, we have uh, the tr Feast of Trumpets, the gathering of the body of Messiah. Uh, Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, fulfilled the gathering of Israel. And they shall look unto him whom they have pierced and mourned from his one mourns for an only son. And, Israel, and thus all Israel will be saved. And then the Feast of Tabernacles, the gathering of the nations uh, in the millennial kingdom. And so those three festivals in the fall. So we're going to just touch upon, in the few minutes that remain, we're going to just touch upon some matters regarding the Feast of Trumpets. Are you with me? I tried to give an overview, but I get the feeling that the overview was my whole sermon. So, <laughs> and so with that, I wish you all fond farewell. <laughs> and so we want to just take some time uh, to look at the eye chart uh, that's up there. And to understand some things, you know, uh, I grew up in the traditional Jewish home, as Tim was mentioning, the Orthodox Jewish home, and so we celebrated these things all the time, every year, of course. Uh, we call, uh, you know, last, uh, we didn't, uh, I never really understood Feast of Trumpets, I just knew Rosh Hashanah, uh, Jewish New Year, uh, uh, head of the year, etc. We have all kinds of traditions all kinds of things that we do, uh, dipping apples in honey uh, in order to wishing one another a sweet year to come. Uh, all kinds of, you know, we, we say Shana Tova, Happy New Year, woo! Uh, <laughs> and then we all kind of, you know, we try to be good to each other for the next 10 days until Yom Kippur. <laughs> Because we really, really, really want, you know, to get on the good side of the man upstairs. So we, we treat each other really nice for 10 days. I think being nice to me, you get double credit. Just <laughs> want to say. But in any case, uh, that's what's done some of the traditions. You say, where did those traditions come from? Well, in fact, uh, they came along over the years. They came around over the years. Uh, and the reason uh, for this matter has to do with the fact that there's so little in the Old Testament about the Feast of Trumpets. It's considered a mystery. And because it's considered a mystery, therefore they added traditions 
to give something to it uh, because well, you know, they wouldn't know what they were celebrating. You know, so they added all these traditions in order to make it something you know that's meaningful to people. But the issue is those traditions. You know, it's the truth that sets us free, not traditions. And so you say, well, do we do traditions? You have your own traditions. You know, don't look down your nose on other people's traditions. And so tradition is good when it reflects the truth of God's word. Tradition is bad when it replaces the truth of God's word. And so you have traditions and you want to evaluate to make sure it's reflecting the truth uh, of God's word, that's all. But in any case, not knowing what this festival is all about, so little information in the Hebrew scriptures about it, they had all these kind of traditions and all these lovely things uh, because they really did not understand what it's about. And that's why when we study the word of God, uh, we want to understand uh, that you know, we've taken the word of God for what it says. We're not looking at the word of God through the grid of tradition. We actually believe the Bible itself is God's revelation. Amen. That the Bible itself is the word of God. Yes. It's God's truth. And so we want to try to clear the air of all tradition, take a look at what the Bible says. And if we have traditions, we need to challenge and make sure they're forever glorifying Jesus and reflecting the truth of Scripture. And so as we consider that kind of thing here, we want to understand uh, the trumpets uh, are blown. In Numbers 10, it gives us a lot of insight. Uh, they're, they're blown for uh, alarm or assembly. Uh, the Feast of Trumpets was a time of assembly. It says there it should be a sacred assembly. And so it was not a time to go to war. It was actually a time for worship. As we understand, as we go deeper on the issue, which my book goes into on some of these matters, we want to appreciate uh, that we're going to be... Uh, how many people enjoy worshiping the Lord in the here and now? I, I was ready for a whole lot more worship music, just to say. Uh, uh, as I mentioned to Pastor Tim, I don't believe you know, that you can actually get to the Word of God without worshiping God first. It opens your heart to what the Lord wants to say to you, some all about real uh, worship, but the best worship is yet to come. Amen. Uh, you know, I can't wait, I, I can't wait, I gotta wait, but I can't wait. And so in, uh, in regards to these festivals here, uh, what we find is that the New Covenant, the New Testament, was translated New Testament, um, confusing to people, because you know, last will and testament kind of idea, and people think, that, okay, what, what, what did he leave me? Well, this is really a new covenant because it's a covenant relationship. So you have to be thinking of a covenant relationship. We have a new covenant relationship uh, with the Lord. Uh, glory to God. But this is actually a fulfillment of promises. The New Testament or new covenant as such uh, is the fulfillment of everything uh, in the Hebrew scriptures that was pointing to, to Jesus, to pointing to the Messiah. It was all pointing to him. It was all about him. And so the new covenant shows the fulfillment of these various matters, including the Feast of Trumpets, as we can understand. Uh, that Paul was writing, 1 Corinthians 15, you know, I'm hoping that God will gift me. I'll, you know, my, don't need my glasses no more. And I can, re I can read the screen, okay. Uh, but in any case... Uh, uh, God gave Paul this revelation uh, that the body of Messiah might understand it. And for some of us, uh, we may not appreciate what life was like while the apostles were around. When the apostles, uh, are, everything we teach and believe is based on the teaching of the apostles. Our faith actually rests on what the apostles taught. What they taught is the truth about Jesus. Uh, and so the Bible, the New Testament, etc., basically tells us that truth. But when the apostles left the scene, all kinds of other uh, non-biblical traditions came in on the matter. So it's sort of startling and strange for some of us to be thinking what life was like when the apostles were around. 
uh, what Jesus did and what the apostles both modeled and taught uh, because we don't think of it that way. Uh, we don't understand things from that point of view. And so when, when, the, when all of this was being done there, I would only say uh, that uh, in truth, the fact of the matter uh, was uh, that uh, they all understood what Paul was talking about. Because the first century, believers, in every congregation, every congregation, uh, they all kept these festivals. Uh, they all kept these festivals. It's just obvious when you read through the New Testament uh, and just take it for what it says. And in the first, in First Corinthians especially, I would just say, <coughs> First Corinthians is just replete with this uh, regarding the Passover. First Corinthians chapter five, verse six to eight. A little leaven leavened the whole lump of dough. It's regarding unleavened bread. Uh, uh, Therefore purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump. For indeed Messiah, our Passover, has been sacrificed. Verse 8. Therefore let us keep the feast. And so we want to understand that in the first century they all were keeping the festivals. And the first fruits... As I mentioned before, there's two first fruits. You know, the barley harvest came in early spring. The wheat harvest came at Pentecost. Uh, but uh, that first harvest, the barley harvest, uh, the first fruits, uh, that uh, G, you know, Paul, Paul says about Jesus, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20, Christ our first fruits. Referring to that, they would have understood that's referring to what took place during Passover week, that Jesus, the fulfillment of it. And so when you actually read it, it's a kind of funny thing. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 8, Paul says there, uh, you know, you got to kind of read the whole Bible to get some of the stuff here. Uh, it says in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 8, I'll remain in Ephesus until Pentecost. Now, most of us would say, give me a break, Paul. You know, what, what is that? You're going to, you're going to, what? You're going to, what, what, what? You're going to remain in Ephesus until what? Pentecost. When's that? I mean, just let me know the date. I'll put it in my little, you know, calendar in my phone, and I'll be there, you know, whatever. He expected all the Corinthians to know immediately when Pentecost occurred. Not only that, but Ephesus as well. So the whole body of Messiah was keeping these festivals. The whole Passover week, uh, and, in, and indeed uh, Pentecost, they were all understanding it this way. Uh, and then, of course, what we read here in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, we see here the Feast of Trumpets. The mystery to Israel is now being explained. The mystery is being explained. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The mystery is being explained, uh, which we give praise to God for. Uh, you say, well, what is this mystery? Well, let's take a look at the verse and kind of understand what he's talking about here. I want you to notice, and I'm going to try my best to work with you on this because I have to get so close to see it. I, I may be sitting... in. Uh, Montella might be sitting in your lap in just a moment. You okay? You're the dude. Okay. He says, now this I say, brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. We can't go this way. We need to be transformed with our bodies. We need the redemption of the body, as he says in Romans chapter 8, verse 23 to 25, the redemption of our body. That's yet to come in the resurrection or rapture. Those are interchangeable words. If you believe in the resurrection, you believe in the rapture. So those are interchangeable words. The resurrection of the, of the body of Messiah. But in any case, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. Now when the Bible talks about ten mysteries, when the Bible mentions mystery, he's not giving you a mystery, he's explaining a mystery. Okay. You say, well, it's all a mystery to me. Well, but the fact of the matter, he was explaining what was a mystery. 
the whole mystery that we mentioned before about the, I'm going to go this side now just to make sure I love you all the same, okay? <laughs> he, says, uh, he says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Shouldn't that be in the nursery? Right? I'm just thinking that that'd be perfect ver nursery verse. There. We sh they shall not all sleep, but they shall all be changed. I'm just saying. Yeah, but, but in any case, he's talking about us, okay? There we go. So he says here, uh, we shall not all sleep, which means we're not all going to die. There's going to come a generation uh, that are going to be taken up alive. First Thessalonians chapter 4 is very clear on that. That those who have died in Messiah... Uh, will not precede, will not uh, miss a thing. They'll actually precede us, and then we who are alive will be caught up in the air. And that's what he's referring to here. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed uh, in a moment, in twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. Do you see that? You see how he uses the definite article, the last trump? How he talks about the fact of how that trump is. Uh, when in, you know in English as well, if you have a, uh, a definite article like the, it's something particular. If you have a, it's very indefinite. You know, could be one of many or anything. You know, a trumpet. But he says the. They all understood this. Otherwise, he could not say the last trump. When for the trumpet will sound, they all understood what he's referring to. That's why he's using the particular language that he's using. And what might still be a mystery to those of us who can't figure this stuff out, they understood because their calendar followed these festivals. And so we want to just understand what was normative and therefore the explanation of the trumpet. So let's, let's get into the text a little bit here. You say, well, what's the last trumpet then? Uh, well, there's a couple of different views, and let me just say, some people think it's the seventh trumpet in the book of Revelation, but that can't be so if you, if you actually read uh, that portion, Revelation chapter 11, because it's all about judgment there. This is about delivering us from judgment. And the book of Revelation was written 30 or 40 years after this. They didn't know about the book of Revelation. You say, well, could Paul... No, it was a revelation. <laughs> the book of Revelation was like a revelation. <laughs> it wasn't like John saying, and something else Paul told you I want to just speak about. No, no, it was a revelation. So, no, this had, had to do with the book of Revelation. It had to do with the fact that this would be the last time that the body of Messiah would be here on earth and therefore be taken home uh, to heaven. Uh, the, the work of God in the body of Messiah would be finished at that point, and we all get taken home uh, to heaven there. And so this would, had to do with, with the issues that they understood uh, on this particular matter. And so you say, well, uh, are we going to actually be resurrected, raptured, on the day of uh, trumpets, on the Feast of Trumpets? Well, not necessarily so, because Jesus... Uh, caught us up on the truth of the matter when he told us uh, in Matthew 24, 36, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not the angels of heaven, but the Father only. So we want to understand that, I mean, I would basically, you know, you know let's see. Feast of Trumpets is now 358 days away, so I can live any way I want to live, and then just before the Feast of Trumpets, repent, you know, get myself in working order here. But no, no, no man knows the day or the hour. Why? Because the Feast of Trumpets was meant to make us ready for the coming of Messiah, to live ready for him. Did you ever notice in Acts chapter 2, uh, when Peter is preaching uh, in Acts chapter 2, he describes it as the last days in Acts chapter 2, the last days. I mean, if that's last days, I mean, it's real, what's going on here? What is this? The last second right now? What's going on? Well, it's the last days because the finished work of our Lord Jesus was all that's needed for your resurrection. 
And from that point on, it's last days because nothing else has to occur for you to go home to glory. Amen. For the body of Messiah to be taken up. Because the finished work of Jesus, the finished work of Jesus is actually what makes you complete in Messiah. You have everything you need for your home going. Nothing but uh, what Jesus has done for you. And so therefore, it's the last days because nothing else has to be done. And it's been last days for a couple of thousand years, as you can understand. Because nothing else... Ha now, many things can be done. God can do anything he wants. But that didn't necessitate uh, the rapture. The rapture needs no event for us to go home to glory. That's why we need to be ready now. Right now we have to live ready. You say, well, I was going to, you know, usually Thursday's my day for repenting. <laughs> it gets me ready for the weekend, and then the next Thursday I repent again. Well, I don't want to burst the bubble, but it could come on a Wednesday, and you're really in bad shape then. So you have to live ready. Uh, that's the point of the matter. Uh, when, when it happens, the Feast of Trumpets will no longer be an unfulfilled festival. It'll be fulfilled just like Pentecost and Passover, etc. And so uh, when these things happen, uh, we have to be ready and listening. As I was mentioning to Sarah this morning, I grew up in a religious community. Uh, and around this time of year, I'd, I'd be talking to some of my friends who are not Jewish. And I would hear in the synagogue, uh, let, me hear, let me hear that blast one more time. Uh, one more time, blow it out for me, if you will. It'll actually be quicker than this. <laughs> Thank you. She's got the chops for the job. It's a good. When I would hear that, I would immediately understand that trumpet was for me. And I would go to synagogue. My non-Jewish friends wouldn't pay attention to it. They wouldn't even, it wouldn't concern them. But that was my trumpet. This is our trumpet. This is what Paul wanted us to understand in the Feast of Trumpets. And that every year the body of Messiah was observing things to orient their lives around being ready for his return. To live for his return. To repent now. We may not have to. Tomorrow is not promised. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. And so the whole body of Messiah was oriented around these kind of matters. We need to trust in the Lord now. You may not have, if you're here and you have not personally trusted in the atonement, in the blood of Jesus, if you haven't personally done that yet, you say, well, hold on a second, I've been through some Christian ceremonies. They don't help. Amen. Not for Amen. salvation. Amen. They're all well and good for what they are supposed to, but they can't save you. You don't get saved by membership. You don't get. You say, "Well, I, I prayed a prayer. Prayer can't save you." Yeah, but I walked down an aisle. That doesn't save either. But I like to fast. No salvation in fasting. It's trusting in the blood of Jesus, His Son. There is no other help, no other hope. If you haven't done that, you have to do it because. I believe he can come any moment. He can take us before I'm done here. In fact, for your sake, I hope he does come before, I'm, before I have to go on with this. But in any case, we want to understand that matter. And so the issue uh, of, of his coming, there is the identity of this trumpet, this last shofar, I might say, uh, that we've touched upon. But not only that, there is the certainty of it. Uh, we, we will not all sleep, but we all shall be changed. You say, what do you mean? What's going on? Of all the congregations that Paul planted, we have to say the Corinthians were like the slow learners of the body of Messiah. If anything could go wrong, it went wrong in Corinth. You know, it's like when you read through the first, when you read through first Corinthians, you can see Paul tearing his hair out of his head. Don't you know you're not supposed to sleep with your stepmother? Chapter 5. Don't you know? 
You know, it's like, you know, like a Jewish mother nagging the children. Well, how many times do I have to tell you? Why? Because the Corinthians were carnal as they had divisions, as they uh, honored people above all things, they, all these kind of things he brings up in 1 Corinthians. And so the, of all people, you would say, we're all going to be raised except for the Corinthians. <laughs> you know? You got to draw the line somewhere, you know? Promises the crazy Corinthians. Even they, we shall all, we all. And so if you have come to faith the Messiah, and you have said, well, I'm not really the strongest believer, what he did is enough for you. Amen. What he did for you is enough. And so if you have just a minimal faith, it's quite all right. His grace is your sufficiency. Yes, Lord. What he did on the cross, John 19, 30, when he died on that cross, he said, it is finished. That's the finished work for you. Not based on how much faith you have, but what he did for you is sufficient. And so even the Corinthians, and some of us here might be a little too Corinthian as well, just saying. But even you, if you have faith in Jesus, you're going to be going up to be with the Lord accordingly. Uh, therefore, I will be with him uh, in glory uh, forever. And so there's a certainty. See, God wants his people, his children, to have a deep assurance, a certainty in their souls. We are to be confident people, bold as lions. Press, we are a light in the darkness of this world because we have such confidence in Jesus because of what he did for us. And so uh, the Corinthians were to have a certainty. And if the Corinthians were to have a certainty, every one of us should have a certainty as well and live lives with full confidence in Messiah. Uh, we speak truth to power. We're not intimidated by the things of this world. We're called to be fearless, bold as lions. And when there's evil being done in our society, when immorality is reigning all around us, we have to call it for what it is, evil and wrong and out of place uh, and therefore should be removed, etc. This is what God has called the people of God to do, to speak truth to power, not to be cowering and worrying about what people will think of us. I have an audience of one. I can therefore be as straightforward with you as the Lord will give me liberty. Because I have an audience of one, and so do you. One day, when he calls us up, oh, come quickly, Lord. But when he calls us up, you will hear from him, well done, good and faithful servant. And every opinion of other people won't matter at all. And it shouldn't matter now. Because there's one person we're looking for to honor, and that's the person who will validate you. Your family cannot validate you. Your friends can't validate you. The Lord Jesus validates you. You are complete in him. And therefore, you can be actually an instrument of grace to your family and your friends then. But if you're going to be living for the opinion of others, you can't be honest and loving and straightforward with them either. But we have to be, because this is the work we have while we're here, to be a light in the darkness around us. And so all of us should have this certainty of what the Lord has done for us. And even if now you're saying, well, I'd like him to come back maybe in, in six months, because there's parts of the Bible I haven't read yet. And I probably have some other areas of my time, my talent, and my treasure to kind of straighten out. It's a come-as-you-are party. <laughs> His grace is your sufficiency. Uh, I've been a believer for over 50 years. I still got much further to go than I've thus far come. But my hope is not in my maturity. My hope is in the blood of Yeshua. Amen. 
that his finished work is my sufficiency. And therefore, even though I have so much more to learn, so much more to grow into, he did enough for me, and I can live confidently. Come quickly, Lord, right now. And if not right now, then let me proclaim the good news to whoever's around me uh, until you come. This is what God would have us to do accordingly. And so what an event it's going to be. Uh, and so if it happens right now, let me give a word of encouragement for those who are not believers. If it happens right now, and you're still here, you're in charge. You can do with this building as you wish. We won't, we won't care anymore. You'll have to pay the bills. We want a good reputation. But nonetheless, uh, God is going to take us as we are right now, uh, and there will be a catastrophe worldwide to such a degree that people will be looking for answers. What's going on here? What's happening here? And they'll be looking for someone then who can be a man with a plan. And the anti-Messiah, Antichrist, will therefore be the guy on the scene. And so this will focus attention on those who can give a plan of how they're going to deal with this worldwide catastrophe when billion people are, are just removed from the planet all at once. And so we want to understand how this fits together here. Right now there's a false peace that people are proclaiming. Do not believe it. There's no peace apart from the Prince of Peace. In him alone there is peace. As we consider that understanding, we come to the last thought. Not only is there an identity regarding this last trump and a certainty regarding it, there's an immediacy. That's really what Paul was trying to communicate to us. You notice it says up there, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, in a moment, the word moment in the original language, we get the word Adam, Atamo. Uh, we get the word Adam. It means something that could not be divided. Something so small. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, uh, can, you, uh, can you divide a minute? Yeah, into 60 seconds. Can you divide a second? Yeah, they have microseconds. There's something that cannot be divided. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. When you think about your eyes twinkling, this is, you say, why does my eyes twinkle? Is it because I'm naturally good looking? <laughs> I don't really think that's possible. But the fact of the matter is, it has to do with the thinking process. You think, in other words, what's the fastest thing in the universe? It's not, it's not the speed of light. Oh, there's much. The speed of thought. The twinkling of an eye in, in a moment, immediately, just like that, before you have the next word coming out of your mouth or entering into your ear, uh, just like that, in, in, in just a moment, just that quickly. Right now it can happen. The speed of light is 186,000 miles per second. Uh, the distance between here and Mars, are you all ready for your trip to Mars? Okay. Uh, <laughs> Mars is 128 million miles away, and so you divide that. Please take a moment to divide that. No, I'm going to do it for you. It therefore takes light to go from here to Mars 11 minutes and 36 seconds. 11 minutes and 36 seconds. But the speed of thought is there. As soon as you think it, you're there. As soon as you think it, you think Mars, whoop, hello. I'm there. That's a, like well, the body of Jesus was able to enter into walls, come and go, uh, just in that we're going to have a body like his in the resurrection. It's going to be just like that. And so that's going to be happening. The immediacy of it is something Paul is trying to get people to understand why we need to live ready for him now. You may not have another moment to repent. You may not have another moment to do anything. You have to be living ready now. The whole Feast of Trumpets was observed by the body of Messiah to live in the issues uh, that they're going to live for him and him alone uh, for the redemption of our bodies. May he come quickly. And so well, this was seen when, when Jesus, uh, when he died and was resurrected. Remember when they went into the tomb uh, in John chapter 20? Remember when they go into the tomb uh, and they, they look and all they see are grave clothes lying there, but they weren't torn up. They were just 
it's like a deflated balloon. It's like the body was in the grave clothes, all caked with all the spices and everything, and it was like, it was just empty. You say, what do you mean? He just disappeared like that. That's what the resurrection of Jesus was. That's what it's going to be for us. That's why he's the first fruits. It's going to have such immediacy. Your clothes are just going to say, woo. You know, just, and people walk in, whoever's left, please pick up the clothes. We don't need a sloppy reputation. You know? But in any case, it's going to be so instantaneous. And so we want to understand this is going to be the transformation for our bodies, etc. Uh, we'll be caught up, as it says in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4, verse 17. Uh, those who are alive and remain will be caught up. That's where the word in, in the Greek, uh, harpazo, means to seize. To seize. They'll just be seized, just like that. Uh, that's where we get the word rapture in the Latin uh, from that phrase there. Caught up together to be with the Lord. There's an immediacy that's going to be taking place. Just like that. And therefore, as the prophets had said, in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 6, seek the Lord while he may be found. What a heartbreaking thought that some of us here are thinking, well, maybe one of these days, and you may not have that time. What a heartbreaking thought. As we love one another, we can't stand the idea because we may not have that time. May not be time. You know, when the World Trade Center came down, I, I was there doing ministry amongst emergency workers. Wouldn't it be great to have had warning in advance? Better to be prepared five years too soon than five minutes too late. Better to be prepared five years too soon than five minutes too late. Right now is the day of salvation. That's Paul's point. We need to be living ready and sharing with people as best as we can, with everyone around us, to get the good news out while we can, while the opportunity is here for us to do it, because you don't know how soon we'll be too late. Now we have to be living for him, and therefore living for him. All who have this hope in them, purify themselves as he himself is pure. There's nothing more purifying than the hope of the rapture, as we're living, because we're expecting to see him any time. And so that expectation has us live for him now, and is purifying to the body, to our souls, to our lives to live for him now, knowing that we may not have till tomorrow. So we live for him now and confess our sins now and therefore be ready now for who he is and what he will do for us. So even now, as I close in prayer, I want you to think about it now. Now, are there things you need to repent of? Are you walking right with God? Are you walking closely with him? Or are there kind of things going on in your life you just as soon not have broadcast all around because they're a little bit embarrassing? Those things we need to repent of now. Now is the day of salvation. Now the appointed time. While it may yet be called now and may be called today. Now is when we have to prepare. And the Feast of Trumpets was for this purpose. That we live ready for his coming. Are you ready? Let's pray right now. See, bow our hearts before God. It's my custom. Uh, it, you know, even though we close our eyes to concentrate, we don't want to be distracted. That's why we close our eyes. But we open our hearts to God. And if you do a little bit of an inventory, are you certain right now? Do you have that certainty that the Corinthians could have had? Do you have that certainty by simple faith in Jesus? And if you're not sure, if you're not certain, uh, if you're not at all sure about these things, oh, we want you to be certain, we want you to be sure, we want you to have confidence in what Jesus did for you. And right where you are, I want you to pray with you. God hears your heart. He hears all of our thoughts. And even now, he hears your heart and your thoughts. And so I want you to open your heart to God. And if you need to trust in him right now, 
I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And if this prayer reflects your need, then please pray with me. God hears your heart. In your heart, pray with me. Dear God, forgive me for my selfishness. Forgive me for my fears. Forgive me for my anger. Forgive me for my pride. Forgive me for my habits. Cleanse my sins away through the blood of Jesus, your Son. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. And while everyone else's eyes are closed in prayer, I want to pray for you right where you're seated, right where you are. Right where you are. If you prayed that prayer with me to trust him as your Savior this morning, right where you are, just raise your hand once, right where you're seated, so I can pray for you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I see your hand. Yes. Right where you are, just raise your hand once. I just want to pray for you in closing. Yeah, see your hands. Anyone else? Not going to call you out, not going to embarrass you. It's not my job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Yes, I see your hand as well, dear. Anyone else? Just raise your hand once, right where you are, so I can pray for you in closing. Father, you see hands, but more importantly, you see our hearts. You know us and you love us. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And even now, confirm to our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Not only the truth of your love for us, but the fullness of our salvation. That we might leave here ready as an instrument of good news to others. That they might get ready. While there's opportunity, even now, Lord, may your blessing abide, strengthen us as a community. That we might share good news here and around the world to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. For it's the name of our Messiah, our soon coming King, the Savior of the world that we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Praise be to God. Hallelujah.